0: Welcome to Entrepreneurial Reality with Bash. Every week, we'll be speaking to startup and scale up founders to learn about them, their ambitions for the business, goals, and objectives. Every conversation is a moment in time, documenting entrepreneurs' current situation with a view to coming back next year to see how they are getting on. Each journey will be different, each innovation could be game changing. I hope you enjoy. Episode two of series one and uh, I'm honoured to have Kevin Brown with me of GigRev. Kevin, please introduce yourself and give some background as to to where you've come from and and why you're here today.
1: Hi, GigRev is my latest project. We've been working on this for about two and a half years, mostly in the development stage and launched last September with the first clients. Um, Before that, I was involved in artist management for five or six years, um, before that an internet company which I sold to a company called Ax- Axel Springer in Germany, and uh, before that involved with fan clubs and artists.
0: Great, and you're also an investor in businesses as well. Uh, I am,
1: yeah, I mean I've tried to pick a, a few good companies with my sort of, uh, online advertising background, not all been successful, but the ones that have worked have been pretty good.
0: So one example would be super awesome.
1: It's probably the biggest example of a company that I invested in right at the beginning, and now I think it's a valuation of about
0: 100 million, I think. Super, it's been voted the fastest tech company growing in the UK uh, by Financial Times, I believe. Good CEO, Dylan Collins, I think he's a fantastic guy,
1: really knew this stuff, and actually, by, I think, you know, you can try and get these things right, but, um, I think it was my biggest investment, which is to, that seems to be the best one. I think out of about 15 or 20 investments, I think about five go bust. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest are floating around a little bit. I think i have got three that are relatively good, but super awesome is well above everything else. Really good.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Good team. Good team of people. So let's talk about GigRev. Just- for complete openness. I've personally made an investment in in GigRev. Thank you very much. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. So could you tell the listeners a bit more about the premise, the challenges you face in the industry, and what sort of problems you're looking to solve with, with GigRev?
1: Yeah, I mean, this all came about, I guess, while I was managing artists and thinking, well, we're trying to run a business here with data that we don't own. I can't think of any other industry that works on data that they don't own. So we had a fan base of people on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, but no direct connection with those people at all. So I I couldn't mail these people to tell them about a new tour, a new t-shirt, a new album without paying Facebook each time. So this felt completely wrong to me. And, and, And it began just by thinking, well, we need to just collect email addresses, that's the most important thing. But the problem with an email address is you you can use that, but you can't use it every day. You can use it for important information. But how do you get a communication going between the fan and the artist in an ongoing sort of way? You can't email I always think of like a a letter through your letterbox. It's definitely it's a one way thing. You read it, you're not likely to reply. You might you, you you're going to purchase from that email hopefully but it's not a two-way conversation so we still needed that way to talk to uh to, to fans and fans to communicate feel part of a community mm-hmm. and that was the premise of, of the beginnings of it
0: great thank you and so GigRev has been created to engage the fans closer to the artists the creators of mm-hmm. content essentially and entertainment there seems to be a trend occurring in the industry where uh, there is a proliferation of social media applications mm-hmm. that takes up a lot of time and effort to get attention these artists are i understand very very capable at uh, creating music to um, inspire drive emotion in people and as a result, get a a significant following. So could you uh, tell a bit more to the trends in the music industry, the value that GigRave would potentially deliver the fans ultimately, but then of course, uh, the the musicians, um, from the very very small who are uh, budding musicians that want fame and fortune, uh, to the ones that are already there, of course.
1: Yeah, I think you have to go all the way back to the record labels and then think what happened when Napster appeared, really. I think there was a sort of defining line for everybody there, which the record industry was was making a lot of money. Obviously, you've got AMI, Warner 70, Universal as the key four labels that were making all of the revenue, really from either uh, publishing or from physical sales. Then suddenly being faced with, digital ways to distribute through Napster, and I think they handled it pretty badly, to be honest. I think what they did is they initially tried to stop Napster, and that was never gonna be successful. They priced it at 9.99 for everything. I think it was very ill thought through, to be honest. I think Mm. they just came up with a price that felt right, and decided 9.99 for everything was gonna be great. Now the big problem with that method of charging for what in essence is really uh, a radio station but a random access radio station is that it kills the supply chain the the the, the route to market if you think about what radio is there for and what it still is there for radio helps sell a ticket a mm-hmm. physical product it sells you into that artist you listen to the radio you wait for the song to to, to play mm-hmm. and at that stage you think that's a great song but you have to wait until you listen to that again mm-hmm. And in the meantime waiting you don't want to wait so you go and buy the physical item what spotify has now done or or any streaming service has made that song you don't have to wait for that song anymore so all of a sudden radio random access becomes the end product so it's killed the fact that you, you don't now need to buy the physical product because you can listen to it at the same price that a record company would get for one radio play,
2: mm.
1: but divided by, what all those numbers divided by one. So basically if you get one play on radio, one would bring an artist 65 pounds. Right. So the premise of of, of the streaming services and the, the logic behind that is if one person is listening, divide 65 pounds by the number of Radio 1 listeners, maybe five million, and that's the cost per play, mm. which doesn't quite work when you've got when you've got random access. So it's price wrong and works for some, but not at all for others, and I think that's the big problem. There's always been a big uh, difference between, I mean, you can be a very, very big artist worldwide, or you, or you just don't make it at all, but I think the big difference here is that um, the majority of plays on Spotify are going to a very tiny amount of songs. Mm. So Most of those actually back catalog songs mm. owned by the four, then four labels, now three labels, who, if you think about it, just had hard drives full of music and they dusted off and stuck onto Spotify. So the question is really, I think, for the future, does Spotify become an archive of old material because there's no cost associated with that? Mm-hmm. And then what happens to new material? Because as an artist, one million plays will generate somewhere between $2,000 and $15,000. One million plays. So even if you're lucky enough to get a million plays, mm-hmm. if you sign on Spotify, it's probably paying for a fifth of the album to be recorded. So it doesn't actually work for a new artist unless they're in that top 1% of
0: artists. And then you're forced to sell the rights to some of the music that you've created, that, which could be taken on by another artist and make huge amounts of money elsewhere. You don't see the true value necessarily.
1: Well, I think, I think that's another problem for the, for the old industry, okay. the fact that as soon as you get to a status of having hundreds of millions of plays, like an Ed Sherman, for example, mm-hmm. or this guy called Chance the Rapper, uh, who was recently offered 10 million to sign to, I believe, Universal, and turned it turned that down, and, and the, the manager said, "Well, why at this stage? Now we're getting all of these plays, while we're selling out gigs, while we're selling out merchandise. Mm-hmm. Why would I now give away eighty percent of my revenue to a label? You know, they didn't want me when we were nothing. Right. Why would I now give you nearly know, all of my money away? And of course, they didn't sign the deal. And I think that's interesting because labels don't now invest in in new early bands, but they also are not in a position to in established bands because there's no reason to give away that proportion of your revenue. So the mm. old industry is effectively dead and survives off of uh, 40 years of back
0: catalog. So how does GigRev overcome these challenges then and additional content that may not be available? I, I know I personally would love to see somebody who's going through the process of creation in addition to the publication of that mm. song.
1: Yeah, I think there's no engagement. You play the song. I think um, when you when you listen to Spotify, you listen to the song. You might not know who the artist is. I don't think there's that connection with the artist. It doesn't mean that people don't want that connection. But the average Spotify listener is the person that listens to radio. It doesn't mm. mean they bought albums. I think around seventy. 6% of all recorded income comes from 16% of fans. And I think that shows that there's a big difference between radio listeners and music lovers. And I think that's got lost in translation with streaming networks. Mm-hmm. So those 16% are the really important ones, the ones that actually buy into the scene, they go to gigs, they, they do this. And um, I think it's also forgotten that there's plenty of artists uh, that can be financially successful, but never chart, and never be seen as relevant relevant to Spotify. If you look at the rock genre, for example, they can tour every year, mm-hmm. they can make a lot of money from merchandise, and so a lots of vinyl, CDs, and tickets, but they'll never get into the hundreds of millions of streams on on Spotify. So, so how, how do they how are they seen as relevant? To, to the industry when, it's, when, when we're now measuring popularity in hundreds of millions of streams. So I think there's a really big problem there that doesn't show that actually the re, revenue drivers don't always have to be Spotify, and there's a lot of money in that sector just below the, the, the Spotify chart.
2: Right, right. There's
1: a UK artist at the moment that sold 60,000 tickets this week for his first album tour, but because his um, plays on Spotify aren't worldwide. Is a UK artist doing very well in the UK, but because because the because the figures are global, and he's not a global artist yet, he doesn't even register as relevant. So Radio One won't play him. It's a real shame, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Mm. And I think it just shows probably that um, certainly the, the 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 UK charts and probably the BBC need to and they are indeed thinking how they can represent uk music more than what they are presently because the, there is a big problem with that there's certain sectors on spotify and when I say spotify we talk about all streaming networks right that work well hip-hop being the top sector mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's a worldwide audience it, it, it crosses lots of boundaries and it's it's pop music you can listen to it without caring who, who you're listening to too. And I think you know, what we're trying to do is say, well, you don't need hundreds of millions of plays. What you need is a loyal audience, and that loyal audience will pay for access to, to you, whether that's your, the T-shirt that you're printing, whether it's your album, your signed album, uh, whether it's a VIP meet and greet, all these things are really important and you don't need millions of people to listen to you on Spotify in order to get a few thousand people to a concert. And they're the people that should be your loyal followers and harnessing that power is difficult when, when social networks own that data. So bring that data back into somewhere you control
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, 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 and effectively you're selling to them but they're certainly not buying from you; they're supporting you. And I think it's a really important word in the way this works. Yeah. Um, I often say that if we could, if there was a button on this, on on, on uh, Netflix mm. that said, "Actually, I don't want to pay nine ninety nine a month, but I would like the content for free," we'd probably press that button because we don't have any um, allegiance with that company. We don't have yeah. feel any feeling towards that company. But if you give that same option to a, to, to a fan that loves his favorite band, then they're very unlikely to say, well, I don't want to." pay. Mm. They actually want to support that artist. And there's plenty of platforms out there that prove that that, that model works. People want to support an artist because they want to yeah. support their art.
0: That's interesting, because uh, in the gaming industry as well, I understand that they release a product that then has additional content that comes out over time. And you invest in, in that in that game, that, that production, that content, with a view to getting more information over time and then you get incremental payments as well. So it's slightly different in terms of the, the mechanics and the the, yeah. the financials, but it, there's quite a lot of similarity in terms of supporting and promoting. And
1: Maybe that's more addiction, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I know my kids play... Uh, play uh, one of them plays World of Warcraft, which I think the other day I discovered about 20 transactions of uh, various... Packs of diamonds that you bought. Uh, I think it's more addiction than uh, than support. But uh, it's um, I think the subscription model mm-hmm. is a model that that, that, is, that works. Yes. Uh, yeah. Whether that's Netflix, whether it's in a game, whether it's within a uh, an artist fan club. Yeah. Uh, which is essentially what we build in an artist fan club or an artist community. Yeah. That subscription model really does work well for.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so. What next for GigRev? Uh, who are the artists, first of all, that you have signed on that you can talk about that are, are releasing an app based on your platform? Just share share who they are at the moment. Yeah, there's
1: a lot in the works that I can't talk about. Obviously, it's a very uh, difficult subject to, uh, to, to uh, speak about artists before their app goes live. You can imagine the absolute chaos that could happen when that happens, but um, we we are working, who can I say, we've got UB40, which is a very large act in terms of where we are at the moment. We've got uh, Matt Goss and Bross, um, and then quite a number of um, smaller acts with sort of 25 to 50,000 people on Facebook, Mm. um, which will have very tight fan bases, can play venues of 500 to 1,000 people, and, I guess, particularly in that area, very, very loyal fans. So fewer fans, but mm-hmm. they will go to a lot of gigs and they will buy the merchandise. You, know, you don't buy a t-shirt at a gig at 25 quid because it's value for money. You True. buy it because you want to show that you're a fan and uh, and, and support
0: the band. Yeah, brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, I, I agree totally, and that, that interests me a lot around uh, the enablement of artists at an earlier stage in their their evolution. Mm-hmm. They've, produce production of of uh, great music uh, to become independent and yeah. uh, be self sufficient in terms of income well the first the first
1: artist that went live on that platform um, was a country band from glasgow the like me and they said well we do concerts in germany and i thought okay so how does a country band <laughs> in germany work anyway very smart actually they played played near all the uh, us military bases there so okay. okay very good move and um i think it was quite an interesting moment because at that point in time our model was based on a subscription of about one ninety nine a month mm-hmm. we thought that was what a fan would be willing to pay to join a, a fan club um and they said to us, no 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 we want to charge four ninety nine 99 a month and i thought well this can't possibly work so it didn't feel the right price at all we launched the app and they put a mail out to their current fan base. They posted on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, "Come and join the fan club." And within literally within the first twenty four hours, I think we had one hundred and fifty people signed up. And that eventually, and it's still growing now, but there was extremely quick take. It's, it, they've got the audience already so we're not trying to we're not going out there promoting Gig Road because we're just a tech behind the mm. artist that's always going to be bigger than us um, so they promote their app under their name to their fans and the I think the current number of paid fans on there is at least 400 people again very rapidly and I think what, what, what it did for the band is it, it, it meant that they could then Not thinking of think about touring as their key income and merchandise and and what would happen when what happens when they're not on tour they suddenly had a regular income which allowed them to think okay so now this income um, can be used for marketing the band so they could finally employ a PR person Mm -hmm. and somebody to help in their kitchen uh, three Mm -hmm. days a week. Uh, to post out the merchandise, and, and, and that provided more time for them to record more more of the material. So they've now got the infrastructure to allow them the time to develop their art, which I think is a big problem. Um, it's really difficult now, I think, as an artist, to bring enough money in to survive without a second job. Mm-hmm. But of course that kills the creativity.
0: Absolutely. So
1: it, it's totally changed their life
0: going to be very impactful across many, many artists' lives. I think that's it. I think the key, an, an artist needs
1: to be seen. Um, they're happily recording video, and photos, and, and happy, happy to put all this on Facebook and Instagram. That's what they do. Mm. That's what they do already. I think the idea of thinking, well, we could monetize that stuff that we're doing already in a platform with people that will support us, is, 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 is it's actually a very small step and um, they're certainly full of content. They've got plenty of things going on to record and and, and that fans are interested in in listening to. We've got an artist called Raven Eye, Mm -hmm. uh, which recently toured with both uh, Slash from Guns N' Roses and Bush. Um, and They have similar to this, we have a, a, a podcast which they produce every few weeks and uh, that's available in the app. But I think the important thing with all of this is it's more about windowing content within the app. Mm-hmm. So what we don't want, and the artist doesn't want, is to just have it available to a small group of people, because they, as well as the industry, needs them to to get this as wide as possible. So they'll produce content, video, podcasts, all sorts of things for fans, but release it later on on YouTube on. On, 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 on Spotify, wherever mm-hmm. it might be. And I think that's really important, give it to the fan first, because that, that, that they're in a circle of fans. Yeah, they're, they're really there.
0: Supported. They are there for yeah. you. So mm-hmm. uh, it's great. You've, you've mentioned a number of artists, there's more coming uh, to the platform, uh, to your app, uh, to access their fans. What would, the next twelve months look like for you. So, when we have this conversation again in twelve months, where do you think you'll be?
1: Mm-hmm. That was a good <laughs> question, isn't it? Um, where I hope will be, uh, and where where we appear to be heading is, um, I think we've hit the market at a really interesting time. Um, there's a lot of people unhappy with Spotify. I think the whole the whole streaming industry is being questioned. I did a talk for City the week, city group. Um and actually I think what was interesting about it is that they, they asked me to come in and talk talk about direct to fan. Mm-hmm. I've never spoken to a company like that. We've always been outside of the sort of industry I think. Never quite understand why because direct to fan is, is just direct to consumer and direct to consumer is the obvious way for any industry to go. But their question seems to be The overall streaming industry is struggling to make money in fact I don't think there is a single streaming network that's making money anywhere in the world apart from one in Asia. Uh, Mm. Spotify currently I think is losing um, possibly their last quarter was 220 million so if there is a run rate of sort of billion a year um, and they've just floated and the key shareholders, the labels, have now sold their shares. There's something not quite right. Uh, I'm not really getting what, why, and how, or why people got out of that deal, unless there's something there's something not right under the hood. Um, I, I, I don't really see how they, I don't really see how, how, how they're gonna turn it into a profit. Uh, I really don't. Um, as a archive, yeah, the new material, it's such a big question. I yeah. think I think we've lost something that we. I think we've lost a, a route to market, and nobody's quite figured it out yet.
0: So again, it's the challenge, the, the, the day old cha- challenge around uh, the middleman and removing that middleman and having more of a direct relationship. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, I think that that happens already with um, the new music industry, which I think kind of begins with the the company Cobalt, who turned the label on its head and said okay instead of the label taking 80% and uh, give the artist 20% Cobalt flipped that over and said well you get the 80% and we'll take the 20% Now Cobalt have I believe over 2000 staff at the moment Any artist that's already been developed by a label tends to sign up with Cobalt Uh, So for example the Foo Fighters are on Cobalt uh, Snow Patrol they they've got six thousand artists in total that have now left the label system and new new albums are now released by Cobalt. So there's a lot of other companies similar to that on the same model. So taking back control of your of your music mm-hmm. and and earning as much as possible out of it is 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 really obvious to me. I don't really understand how that's not that's not obvious at all. Mm-hmm. Uh so I think fewer fans and taking the majority of the revenue is the way that we're going and and think of the world of fewer and fewer sort of wembley stadium acts if you think back to the sort of 80s and 90s you know, yes quite yeah. a few people playing in the stadiums yeah. now okay you've got uh ed sheeran who's doing extremely well for himself um and another handful of acts but there's less and less of those sort of mega bands, mega groups out there, and a lot more um, arena and smaller venue acts mm-hmm. out there. So I think, yeah, the age of your Pink Floyd's and Elton Johns and, 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 and those kind of guys is, 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 is difficult. It's difficult to maintain that sort of massive stadium mm-hmm. thing. You've got YouTube, they can still do it. I was at a, uh, a gig at the garage in London, um, few weeks ago with an artist called Orla Garland, who was a YouTuber. Uh, she started on YouTube when she was about 14. Um, mm-hmm. She was covering songs and then she thrown the odd original song into that mm-hmm. and uh, she's probably about 18, 19 now. Um, so I go to, go to this gig and so the garage holds 200 people-ish. Um, very unusual audience. It literally looked like a room for the people that watch YouTube all day. But what was really interesting about it was the fact that after the show, she went to the back of the room and almost every person in the audience had a photo and bought a piece of merchandise. So the loyalty of that and the amount of money made from that tour from merchandise would have been ridiculously high. Mm. You know, you talk <laughs> about every one of those people paying at least 30 or 40. For a pair of socks and a T shirt and a hat and a and a various so really, really organized and, and I think it just shows that you can earn a lot of money from, from 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 your music but you have to think in terms of you, you've got to be really organised and think, okay, well the, the, it may be that the music is where is the reason people could see me but you know the, the music won't necessarily that's not where the money is. No. It, it's in the services that you can offer around that, whether it's VRT meet and greets, whether it's a fan club, whether it's merchandise, because people are dedicated and they all, all those people that renew every single word to every song you send like I think that shows the loyalty of people.
0: That's that's really cool. And then talking about fan club, the engagement, uh, I understand that you're working on a few ideas around production of physical content that, yeah if you could say a bit
1: more about yeah, that. Yeah, I think, I mean, fan club, let's face it, fan club isn't a very cool phrase. Uh, Turn it into a fan community and it <laughs> seems to be a little bit more cool. Um, <laughs> and I think, well, what we're finding now is that you know, people really want something real. They, everything's digital in this world now. And you download it, you don't download the track, you, you listen to a track on, on Spotify, you watch a video on YouTube, and what, what, how do you get that extra connection with the artist we know that people are willing to pay more than 9.99 per month for their favorite artists mm-hmm. we know that already um, we've seen that in so many different ways where people will buy a ticket and the t-shirt as a package so as part of a fan club or fan community package that we build um, why not include uh, a year's membership Uh, with a uh, exclusive piece of merchandise, a signed photograph, an album when it's released later on, and and maybe even a fanzine. And all of these things have got great value, but Mm -hmm. are very cheap to produce. The T-shirt maybe costs £2.50, but can sell at £20. Um, A fanzine sounds old fashioned, but actually it's just a book of memories, Um, a physical book, something that you can't get anywhere else. Mm. And uh, again, costs two pounds, but what's the value in the eye of
0: the beholder? You know, it's fifty, maybe fifteen pounds. And maybe it's signed; it becomes memorabilia, and then over time, there's value. It sure, sort of appreciates, maybe. Uh, and then people, I think people really,
1: really want this kind of stuff. This, this is the reason that I buy vinyl. Mm. I think I forgot the numbers now, but um, I was recently at a, a BPI meeting and uh, the music industry, and. And the number of vinyls is still increasing. The sales of vinyl is still increasing, but the number of vinyl players is not really going anywhere.
0: No. <laughs> so
1: people are buying it because again they want something real. Yes. Yeah. And I think and, and, and that's about supporting the artist.
0: You finish should say that. I I recently asked an artist directly on Twitter, mm-hmm. can I have a signed vinyl copy please? I haven't had any response yeah. just yet because they probably haven't considered it. <laughs> But it's um yeah I'm one of those guys who quite happy to buy vinyl
1: absolutely and so yeah we've got nothing to go on our shelves anymore no <laughs> books no CDs no DVDs <laughs> no nothing you know, so I think we need these things to, yeah, to show absolutely. who we are and um, my, my oldest kid is 16 17 going to college this year and you know to show his identity he's got posters on the wall he's got his albums there and you know I think that that's people need to show it you can't have everything on your phone and computer mm. and listening to an album. For a fan of of music, is really important. Yeah. Not just listening to that one song that's the pop song, but that's the, there today and gone tomorrow. There's a song by a guy called Big Shack um, recently that my kids played over and over and over again. Um, it was a song called "Man's Not Hot," and it, was, it turned out to be a joke song. In the end, <laughs> um, a hell of a lot of plays on on streaming. Look at the video for "Man's Not Hot," and you'll you'll it's. Uh, it's quite funny for a little bit. I think after two hundred plays I got a little, little bit bored of uh of the background music of that plane, but um but it's gone. Then it's gone, it's the next thing. and, mm-hmm. I, and I think you've got that throwaway music that, that that can happen, but you've also and still today it's really not seen because of Spotify, but there's a lot of venues in London and they're full mm-hmm. every night with two hundred people all watching their favourite act. Yeah. They'll never register as being important. I can guarantee that a lot of those are earning a lot more money because they're very hard-working musicians than somebody getting a million plays on
0: Spotify. Right? Mm. That's a good point. That's a good point. And the atmosphere in those, those bars and, and venues are uh, fantastic. Well, There's amazing acts breaking
1: through at the moment, but again, they'll never meet the criteria to get anywhere on, on
0: streaming. So in going back to your... Uh, My question, first of all, of where gig rev you see in twelve months' time. Well, we look
1: at what we generally look for is a couple of things. Really, we're looking for artists that have at least twenty five thousand people following them on social media. That gives us an idea that there's actual interest there. And also, overall, what we don't want, and I'm quite happy to tell an artist that I don't think this will work for you. We don't want people that, um, or this won't work for people. Uh, that, uh, that, that just want to play music and are not not interested in interacting with their fan base, which does account for a percentage of, 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 uh, of artists, mm-hmm. but then you've got the very savvy artists like, like the youtuber I mentioned earlier um, that interact with the fans online, through Facebook, through Twitter, through Instagram and they, they understand that their job as a musician is not just to go up on stage and play music, they understand that their job is to be uh be be a full time uh, what celebrity I don't yeah, know it was it. social
0: isn't it you're, yeah. you're leveraging uh, access of different angles different um routes to your fans so. yeah
1: you yeah, know where where is it going i mean this this doesn't work for radiohead uh it does work for Ricky martin that's the kind of thing because they are different they've got a different way of marketing mm. the business, so I think Radiohead very much keeps themselves themselves and they come and do their concerts, but they're at that stage, they could do that. Right. Uh, the, other, the other sort of end would be sort of like, I mentioned Ricky, Ricky Martin, who's very social, um, lots of live broadcasts on Facebook, you know, he's, he's immersed in his fan base, got mm-hmm. very loyal fans, and uh, that works very well for somebody like him, same as Robbie Williams, or uh, and, and bands like this, they, they understand that they need to be a lot more than just the musician on the stage um and i think if we're to grow then we look at we can grow artists i wish i got the answer to growing from no fans to the first five thousand. Uh-huh. you know that's, that's the holy grail how do you break an artist now yeah when there's no infrastructure or money there's mm-hmm. no there's no upfront money from anywhere whatsoever to put the first chunk of cash in to make that work uh but once we're at twenty five thousand that's about the kind of figure that we need to make it work, mm-hmm. not only for us financially, but for the, for the, for the artist, because if the artist isn't getting enough engagement, the yes. app, then they'll soon not use the app, which okay. is, I don't want that to happen either. So with a, with 25,000 fans and a fairly social band, um, then we we're tended to find 15 to 20% of Facebook users will mm-hmm. download the app for free, uh, register, give the artist direct access to that data of who that fan is and then we begin the job of converting these into subscribers and really again it's the job of the artist to produce content and they they then choose the content that they want to make premium
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that premium content forms part of a package that the fan will pay for right and if the, if everything goes to plan and the 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 content is, is flowing well, then um, that works for us and means that we can sign up. Um, it proves it certainly proved the model to us. It's enough figures to prove it to the artist, and I think from here on we're now stepping this up to larger artists. So. Um, the largest artist we'll work with at the moment has got a million people on Facebook, so it will be 150,000 people minimum that mm-hmm. will uh, be using the app. Um, and then from there we go, we keep going one step up. So I think, I think you, you know, you can't go right to the top and get uh, Robbie Williams on day one, for example. No, of or, course. Or, 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 uh, or Ed Sheeran. No. But um, like any industry, when you're inside of it, it's a pretty small industry. Everybody knows each other. Right. So. Um, we were sending back in a lot of steps to do that. So I think quantity as well as, well, all quality, but quantity as in so sort the of smaller artists mm-hmm. were growing because uh, the fan base tends to be much more loyal, percentage-wise, for smaller artists. Yes. Uh, as you grow, they're perceived to be richer, like Ed Sheeran, you know, mm-hmm. you don't need to donate. I went um, traveling
0: last year in Philippines and I heard Ed Sheeran.
1: That's all I heard. It's everywhere. I mean he's making an absolute fortune. To be honest, I don't know if we can make much of a difference to his income. We can <laughs> we can certainly help with the data capture. Um, but um I think I think the, the sweet spot is the artist that plays Hammersmith Apollo, Books Academy, um and those sort of uh, arena level, with, yeah you know, a good example I think would be the killers, that kind of L- Love the level. Killers.
0: Love the Killers. And I think
1: those those are the kind of guys that that have the content that need to. they have established a brand,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and their job now is to maintain that brand. Yeah. And I think I particularly like the way the Killers do it. You know, they want one, one phenomenal album, and um, I think the second one was pretty good. I think the third one started to get a bit shaky. Um, and I think um, I think from what what they've learned now is that actually probably don't produce too many more albums and yeah. live off the initial ones, build the show up, maintain the audience, and I think that's the, that's probably their business plan. I would say now, mm. which is a good plan to yes. be honest. And if you're in the music industry, don't break what's, don't break anything by producing an awful album. Um, <laughs> and I think uh,
0: a lot of bands can can do that. Yeah, good, good. Thank you. We are progressing quite a lot in terms of the time, so thank you so much kevin uh, every interview i have i ask five questions at the end just very quickly sure. and so uh, if you could ask sorry if you could tell me so is there a particular book you're reading at the moment if so what it is or is there a book you'd recommend the listeners to read
1: you know what i wish i'd got time to read a book but when i'm not <laughs> actually working I'm, I'm daydreaming about the next uh... Feature of uh, the software or what we need to do in order to progress. So, sure. um, you know, I, I,
0: I, <laughs> I suppose from a music theme, then uh, is there a particular instrument you're playing?
1: Or... <laughs> you know what? Um, working in the music industry and listening to music all day, actually, the last thing you want to do when you switch off at the end of the really? day is actually music, which is quite sad, actually. <laughs> um, so, I, I, you know, I do like music, and the last tour, the, the, the last, well, the last big gig, I mean, was uh, due to Joshua Tree. Um, mm. Tour, which was the last year, which yeah. actually was uh, was it thirty years ago? I, it was my first ever gig, so it was nice to see that. Uh, cool. Other than that, I ended up uh, going to a lot of small gigs and getting deafened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, in terms of entrepreneur, business owner, is there any individual that you are following or admire the most? And again, it could be a musician, for instance. I don't know if we can actually name anybody particularly, but I really like
1: people that just think completely outside of the box and aren't and, um, and, and restricted by what, what's been done before. Because hmm. I think even if things have been done before, they might have been done at the wrong time. And I think it's easy to get into a pattern of thinking that if that, um, something's not worked before, it's not going to work again in the future. Uh, a lot of people I like to I like to listen to people, and I think the important going to a meeting and really taking on board everybody's opinion and be the sponge for that information and hopefully then sort of figure out what all of that means and, and, and turn that into something that, that, that can help us as a company.
0: Great, thank you.
1: You know, what i really like to do I've, I've spoken at quite a few different uh, colleges and universities and I find it really enjoyable to tell and talk to people about um, what that there are different ways to do things. I, I recently spoke at ACM college in Guildford. Um, my son's going there in September, so I don't think I'll be wanted around there for much longer. Um, <laughs> and I was asked to speak um, about uh, alternatives to, to, rate, to, to, to record labels. Um, and I think it, it was really interesting so to to be in a room of people that have grown up with YouTube, with Spotify, with mm. Facebook, and, mm. and actually never knew any different. And you know, I think I was halfway through my first lecture there and, and realized that, that I really got this wrong. I realized I was sp- speaking to a room of people that I couldn't relate to with the presentation that I was doing and started again, literally just said, okay, we're going to scrap this conversation now and just begin again. So I really find it enjoyable teaching actually. Oh, cool. I think, um, I mean, my experience with that would be with my ex internet company that I grew to over to good staff. Um, it got to the point that actually there was no entrepreneurial spirit there at all because mm. you know, the machine's working, don't break anything that's not working. Um, you have a team of people there that are, that are, that are the sole purpose and job is to maintain what's already working there. Okay. And um, there was just a time that became really apparent to me that there was nothing more I could do. I couldn't be the entrepreneur in that company. It didn't, in fact, need an entrepreneur. Um, so I think I've always found the right moment to move on to the next
0: thing. Interesting, thank you. I really do appreciate your time, Kevin. I'm honored know, that you, you spent the time me. with me today. Thank you. And um, yes, I, I wish you every success. And uh, hopefully you can come back in the next 12 months and and share with you your experiences, the news and where you go from there. I hope to be back. Thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you. So what do you think? We'll have another interesting story to dive into next week. Looking forward to it already. Some questions to you in the meantime. What is your story? What is your reality right now? And what are you working towards? Let me know so you can connect with me on Twitter Just type in bash in the search and you'll find me. So bash, B-A-S-H, easy. On Instagram, it's bash reality. So that's bash underscore reality. And on LinkedIn, Benjamin Ashmore. Make sure you subscribe. And until next week, cheers.